Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And good morning, it's Monday's Cork Today. Our lines are open. Bernie takes your calls and comments to 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. You can email this morning jp at c103.ie or of course you can tweet us at c103cork. Yes, our WhatsApp is back so you can back on the WhatsApp and, and send us your messages on WhatsApp as well as text this morning to 0862-103-103. And ahead on the this morning's show traffic problems we're all encountering them in Cork at the moment but one town is asking questions because if you're commuting or if you're living in Bandon you'll be aware of the traffic problems in the town this is due to works ongoing there at the moment in relation to water and sewerage works which are needed in the town everybody agrees with that and everybody knows that there will be some type of disruption when any town is going to have works in relation to sewerage or indeed water supply and if they're digging up streets, that has to happen to lay down new pipes. The problem here is, and this has happened in other towns in the past, a lot of locals now and people who commute via the town feel the traffic plan is incorrect and they're closing too many of the main thoroughfares in the town, which is leading to a traffic backlog. Many people are saying they are caught in traffic for 20 to 30 minutes in Bandon, especially coming from the northern side of the town, crossing over to the southern side of the town. And that gets worse from around three o'clock on the afternoon when you have schools. And then you have people who are coming home from work. All that added traffic does cause a huge build-up. And many say it's because of the amount of road closures. If they change the amount of road closures, that would have an impact. But at the moment, you have a main artery in the Demanuel Road closed and Maxweeney Key, and that is adding to problems. So discussing that this morning, uh, if you do commute, if you live in Bandon, your view is welcome. Uh, do you agree with others who feel is the traffic plan is wrong? And yes, the works within the water and sewerage are needed, but a new traffic plan should be in place. Your views are welcome on that. 1850-333-103. If you have a view or indeed text on WhatsApp 86 103. Traffic a problem in other towns as well in Cork. If it's hampering where you live, let us know where that be in Mallow, where there's a lot of problems. People still not happy with the layout of Mallow and towards the end of the town with the uh, plaza, which is causing huge controversy still a number of years on since that was inputted in the town. So not just banned in other towns as well. Your views are welcome. And staying on the issue of traffic, we're going to hear why a traffic warden is going to be back on the streets of Middleton. Now, there isn't any pay parking in Middleton Bush. What is in there is the two hour parking limit and it seems that people were disobeying this and parking in the town of Middleton and leaving their car there uh, not just there for two or three hours but the entire day and that was hampering people then from parking in the town and shopping locally. So we'll discuss that in here 
why the traffic warden is back and what they hope uh, this to achieve and also could there be a fear of them because people are afraid when they see traffic wardens that pay parking could be introduced to a town Uh, could that happen in Middleton if people still don't obey by the rules anyhow discussing that this morning a lot of talk over the last few weeks on pensions and the pension age to increase to 67 next year many people are forced to retire at 65 in the company they work in this means though for those who have worked all their lives they might have started work at the age of 14 and 15 in part time jobs and then when they got to 17, 18 got a full time job they worked all their lives they never claimed any type of benefit and then when they hit the age of 65 what's happening now is because the the state pension starts at 66 many people have to go to their local social welfare office and sign on to get job seekers because of this change they feel it's very unfair they feel they should not have to do this after working all their lives and paying their taxes and then we've heard of issues in the public sector I know we're always told stop splitting between public and private workers but seemingly the public sector there is some type of transition payment payment for public sector workers until they receive the state pension, which is not available to private sector workers, even though I heard Regina Doherty, who's the minister responsible for all of this uh, at the weekend, she was saying that there is a transition payment, but there's a lot of confusion around that. And there is, because I don't think anybody knew about that particular payment. Anyhow, uh, is it a case that if the pension the state pension, the age does go to 67 next year. We're going to see workers leaving the companies at 65. Will they get private workers, that is? Will they get a transition payment instead of going down to their local social welfare office and trying to sign on to get job seekers? Not their fault. It's the way that the state has moved around the state pension requirement age. And it's unfair. And a lot of people feel it's unfair because you have a situation then. And I know a few people have come out and said, but you have your private pension. A lot of people don't have their private pension because some companies don't offer that. Uh, people have to pay in their own pensions. And then if they pay in their own pensions, which we have seen and we've discussed at length, is that a lot of pension plans collapsed due to the crash. So people now due uh, their private pension either cannot access it due to terms and conditions within their pension or indeed there's nothing to access their pension has just collapsed and it's worth nothing so they only rely on the state pension they can't even get that or are companies wrong Uh, should companies be allowing workers to stay on now until 67 and get rid of that 65 clause in their contracts anyhow your view is welcomed on that regarding the pension a lot of confusion a lot of anger about that and rightly so your views are welcome are you affected let us no, we'd love to chat to you on 1850-333-103. And good news for energy customers, because gas prices, if you have gas in your home, your monthly or, or bi-monthly bill or whatever way you get your, your bill for your gas, if it's a month or two months, it should be reducing. You should see a reduction in your gas bill. So we're going to speak with Owen Clark from Switcher.ie to see if maybe electricity bills will also reduce over the next year. And Annalisa Giselle from the Health Hub in Times Square and Ballincollig will join us in in the final hour of the show, answering all your nutritional questions. So any questions you have for Annalisa, get them into us now. Uh, should be on with us after 12.30 and we'll put the questions to Annalisa. Also, Cork's favourite song, What Could It Be? There's a number of them, uh, well, down to the final 10. And for example, Sean O'Shea's Poker Villa or we could have the Frank and Walters after all, Subtles of Ping, a more recent one. Uh, Where's My Jumper? There's a good number of them in there. Uh, but which will be voted 
Cork's favourite song. Well, it's all happening tonight in City Hall, the MC, or not in City Hall, in the City Library on Grand Parade. The MC is Trevor Welch, a sports broadcaster. He'll join us after midday to for an insight into what could be Cork's favourite song. People have been voting for this since November and they've now shortlisted that to the final 10. So we'll hear more about that between now and one o'clock. As always, your calls are welcome. 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And also making news this morning, this is to do with our banks and I'm not too sure how many of you still use the ATM, but banks are going to engage in a massive sell-off of their ATM. ATM networks and this is a move that is raising fears that there could be a hike in fees for withdrawing your money from these particular ATM machines. Bank of Ireland it seems is selling off a network of 700 ATMs while AIB then is seeking bids of 375 of its cash machines. Uh, this is coming out this morning from the Irish Independent. Uh, the 1,000 plus cash machines are basically are going to be sold to largely based um, other companies who run ATMs and a lot of these particular machines are based in retail outlets. And the reason the banks are getting rid of these is because they cost too much to run. So there are currently around 3,000 ATMs owned by banks and then another 750 are owned by independent providers. But some of these independent providers, some, not all, but some do charge extra when you use one of their ATMs. I suppose the big worry here is that rural areas, again, could be the big losers. And a lot of consumer groups say that uh, the likes of independent groups who may now run the ATMs could impose charges or fees. So basically, you could be charged for getting your own money out. The reason being is the Bank of Ireland ATM in your local shop may now be run by a private company. And whereas Bank of Ireland at the moment charge their customers 25 cents for cash withdrawals, AIB charging 35 cents for withdrawals, that could increase because you will have a private operator now operating that particular ATM if the banks go ahead and sell their various ATMs. I suppose the question here is, do people still use ATMs? When was the last time you drew out money from your ATM? And are they going a bit like the phone boxes? We know uh, over the last number of years, phone boxes, because of mobile phones, are becoming less across the country. Now a lot of them being used to house defibrillators. So is the ATM going the same way? as the phone box. So when was the last time you used an ATM? Uh, let us know. 1850-333-103. And do you agree that the likes of Bank of Ireland and AIB uh, always more or less called the pillar banks of the state that they can do this and sell off uh, their ATMs. Many of these now are ones that are within shopping centres, within shops. But still, uh, as we know, a lot of the banks would have closed down over the years. So this could be the only ATM now in your local area. could be just within your local store and that could be going uh, to a private company. So your views are welcome on that. 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. It's Cork Today. John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger right through until one and Bernie takes your calls and comments to 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp or WhatsApp is back working so you can WhatsApp us this morning to 0862-103-103. And by the way, news uh, that came into us over the weekends, and this is the case of rabies in Cork, and the Department of Agriculture, Food and Marine has said a small mammal in County Cork was exposed and has been exposed to rabies. Now, 
at this particular mammal, it was kept securely confined at a private premises in County Cork and there's no evidence of a contact with other animals. However, uh, the Department of Agriculture has now established an eight kilometre surveillance zone from the source identified in Cork and this zone is basically north of Kinsale uh, towards the Carrigaline area on the map issued uh, by the department. So temporary measures have been put in place and this includes a ban on the gathering of dogs also the gathering of cats or indeed hunting uh, sales or anything like that at fairs. Any dead mammals found in this area should be reported to the department and the temporary measures, they will remain in place for a month now and they're subject to review but owners of dogs, cats and ferrets are also advised to monitor their health and behaviour over the next while. If there is any abnormal or unusual behaviour, you are asked to contact the Department of Agriculture and again at that 8 kilometre surveillance zone at north of Kinsale towards Carrigline all because of a small mammal uh, who has been exposed to rabies at uh, that uh, story coming to us over the weekend and we'll keep a watch on that over the next month or so now uh, a lot of people would have seen uh, the TV footage and indeed the pictures in this morning's papers and also online over yesterday uh, evening uh, of the uh, sad uh, pictures from St Peter's Church in Bandon on the funeral yesterday of Cameron Blair who was laid to rest at Kilbeg Cemetery just outside of Bandon and well on that an update on that particular story is that a teenager has been charged with the murder of the Cork student Cameron Blair and as I said Cameron was laid to rest yesterday uh, the 17 year old appeared before a special sitting of Cork District Court last Friday evening and our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran was in court and joins me this morning Fiona good morning to you Good morning JP uh, This is just a really sad case Fiona and first of all our sympathies again to the family and friends of Cameron on the court case though you were in court on Friday night and this 17 year old who presented himself uh, this was the same 17 year old who uh, made himself known to Gardaí last week in Tokakarta Station am I right? That's right JP this 17 uh, year old had presented himself at Tokagarda Station on Thursday morning and he was questioned for most of Thursday and Friday. And on Friday evening then, he was brought to a special sitting of Cork District Court that happened at 9 o'clock on Friday evening. Now, we heard from Detective Garda Rory O'Connell that the teenager was formally charged at Tokagarda Station on Friday evening with the murder of Cameron Blair at Bandon Road on January 16th last. And he told the court that the 17-year-old, who can't be named because he's a minor, made no reply to the charge. An application was made to have him remanded to Overstown Detention Centre and it was confirmed to the court that there was a place available there for him. Now, his solicitor, Eddie Burke, said that they wouldn't be applying for bail at the district court. And, uh, JP, that's the same with any murder case. Um, If uh, a person wants to apply for bail, they have to do so at the high court. They can't do that at the district court. Um, And he also applied for free legal aid because he said the teenager isn't working and has no income. And Judge Olin Kelleher granted the legal aid and he agreed to remand the teenager to Overstown Detention Centre until next Friday um, when he will appear before the Children's Court here in Cork City. Eddie Burke also asked that he receive any medical attention that might be needed while in detention. Um, The youth himself was wearing a black puffer jacket, black taxi bottoms and he remained silent for the very short hearing, like I said, it only lasted a couple of minutes, maybe three to five minutes. Uh, members of his family were there in court and they were very upset and very distressed by the whole thing. Um, so it was, it was very uh, short hearing. There was just a the, the couple of members of his family and 
a number of reporters there as well and some Gardaí. Um, so yeah, he'll be so he'll be remanded now in, uh, to Oberstown Detention Centre, and he will remain there until Friday, and he'll be back before the Children's Court then on Friday. And was anything said after he was cautioned? Uh, no, he made no reply after being cautioned. So the next stage now of this is that particular special sitting of court on uh, on will well, that be it's not be a special, but it'll just be um, the normal children's normal court children's court. Yeah, like. Um, I suppose with any case like this, um, it takes time. The guys are going to have to um, put together a book of evidence, and there has been a lot of evidence in this case. A lot of witness statements have been taken. A lot of CCTV footage has been viewed, and all of that will make up the book of evidence. So um, I suppose the way the court process works is that anyone who's been charged with murder will uh, be required to appear before the district court a number of times. The judge will be given an update by the guards as to um, how how things are progressing and then eventually they'll be sent forward to the Central Criminal Court and then uh, that's where a trial or, um, you know, sentencing will will happen. So uh, there's a a while to go yet. So um, this youth will be before the Children's Court for, for a number of months. Okay, Fiona. Well, uh, thank you for that update. Uh, Fiona Corcoran there, who was in court last Friday night. And of course, as I mentioned, the funeral service took place yesterday uh, for Cameron Blair at St. Peter's Church in Bandon. Burial at Kilbeg Cemetery near Bandon. Uh, Beautiful poetry and poems read out by his parents, Noel and Cathy, and his younger brother, Alan. Uh, His uh, grandmother, Phyllis, there also in the church and I suppose our thoughts and prayers are with the Blair family and friends of the late Cameron Blair of Tully Murray near Banlasgarthy. May he rest in peace. On the way, traffic issues in so many county towns. Bandon is one of those towns which is at the moment being hampered by traffic. We want to hear your stories of traffic in your town but also if you commute through Bandon or you live in Bandon, what do you make of the current traffic plan which is in place for these particular works. Discuss that next. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And a lot of people texting in regarding the ATMs and the concerns over an increase in fees for using the cash machines. This is because AIB and Bank of Ireland, they are engaging in a massive sell-off of their ATM network and the majority of these will be those ATMs based in stores or in supermarkets. The worry here is that a lot of rural areas would have seen their bank branches closed over the last five to ten years and your local ATM is within a shop. So that ATM now goes from either AIB or Bank of Ireland and is being operated by an independent operator. Some of those operators charge for taking out your money and why the banks do and they charge roughly between 20 uh, to 40 cents for example for withdrawing your cash out of an ATM the independent operator who is operating this a lot of the time to make money can charge you a lot more so those living in rural areas or suburbs of a city whereby the banks have all closed and your nearest ATM is within your local supermarket they will be affected a lot of people in touch with us regarding that I'll get to those comments shortly also uh, comments on various issues which we will get to but first of all uh, works are underway as a lot of people commuting and living in Bandon will know in relation to water and sewerage and as a result roads are being dug up and streets are closed and while people understand that this needs to be done to get the work completed and many feel the traffic plan in place is wrong and it needs to be looked at what local councillor Sean O'Donovan has expressed concerns and joins me on the programme this morning. Good morning to you Sean. 
Good morning, John Paul. Now, as I mentioned, people realise the works are needed and no one is saying that the works are not needed, but the traffic plan, many feel, is incorrect. Closing too many of the main thoroughfares and sure they could work something else out without closing, for example, at the moment, the Dunmanry Road is closed, as is Maxweeney Quay, leading to huge tailbacks uh, near the Methodist Church and for those coming down the North Main Street side abandoned and crossing over the bridge. This is something that other towns have seen as well, uh, but many feel have dealt with it in a better way. I suppose, uh, starting off, John Paul, the the works that are ongoing in Bandon are very welcome because they're very necessary and we've been waiting long enough for them. Um, the traffic plan certainly is causing an awful lot of trouble um, for shoppers getting into the town for emergency vehicles, trying to get through the town, um, parents taking their kids to school. It's 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 been quite a nightmare, but I suppose the message has to go out that Bandon is open for business and um, we appeal to people to still support their local businesses. But I suppose at last week's municipal district meeting, I called for a meeting to a review of the traffic plan. I really feel the one that's there isn't working. So I'm actually meeting with the traders in Bandon this afternoon, and I'm hopeful that we'll have maybe have a meeting with the other parties concerned later this week. And who decided this particular traffic plan? I mean, is it just the company involved or was there a meeting already with traders and locals on what streets and the position of the traffic while the works were going on? Well, I suppose it's the Gardaí really are the, the ones that give um, the traffic plan in general and Cork County Council would allow the road closures. But it's just it just isn't seem to be working and... There's lots of people coming to, I'm sure, the other councillors as well with suggestions of what way the traffic would work better. So that's why I want, I want to sit down with the traders this afternoon and, and the Gardaí next and put my suggestions and other people's suggestions to them. And what usually happens in this situation is we can hear from the contractors who will say, well, we had a public submission or a public meeting earlier on and no one came forward. Did that happen in this regard? Was there meetings and did people put their ideas forward on what should happen? Because looking at what is happening at the moment, I think too many of the main arteries are being closed together and that is why traffic is building up. Um, there's There's been several meetings, I suppose. Um, we had a meeting there eight or nine weeks ago with the traders and the Gardaí and representatives of Irish Water and Ward and Burke but um, at that meeting I really felt that the, the questions that we had weren't being answered it was representatives of Ward and Burke and Irish Water as I said so I went to get a meeting with the project manager and um, the Gardaí and go through with them a, a solid traffic plan that it seems that there's easy enough ways to come around it hopefully and um, we'll just hope for the best with the, the plans that we're going to take forward to the Gardaí later this week. Well Kilbrogan Hill which is another main artery in Bandon is to close in the first week of February. Uh, I mean that closure is going to go ahead at this stage despite any of the meetings. What is your plan? What would you like to see here if you go forward and, and meet the traders this afternoon and then go back to the contractors and Irish Water? I mean what's your suggestion around all of this because they do need to close the streets uh, but it's the way they're closing them. The streets need to be closed yeah but like temporary traffic lights on the top of South Main Street could be a solution to let the traffic flow down Market Street onto South Main Street rather than having to give right away coming down Castle Road. That's one suggestion. Removing parking um, on uh, St. Patrick's Quay and then making two lanes of traffic is another suggestion. Two-way traffic on South Main Street is another suggestion. So these are all things we have to look at and, and with cooperation with the Gardaí that um, 
that they're happy that these temporary solutions might work, you know. And when you mentioned the council and the guard either, I mean, the council, I presume, would have passed these particular closures. Was that not drawn to their attention when they were looking at maps given to them from both the contractors and Irish Water? I mean, would they not have seen that there would have been chaos by the various closures? And why did they not go ahead and, and look at these solutions that you were now putting forward and others? Um, well, I suppose, to be fair, they have looked at all the all the solutions in town, but I suppose there's so many works ongoing, and as well as the contract for more than work, there's been other uh, temporary closures and stop-and-go systems as well, and other schemes happening around the town, um, which would be kind of outside of the remit of, of the council. Does it really show that we need more people, though, on the ground to watch these decisions? Because it is the locals and people like yourself who are noticing that this isn't working. Uh, I think so, yeah, and, and like some flagmen maybe that, you know, we all see a diversion or whatever and we, we some people would chance it, thinking it might be open or whatever, Like, and that causes problems as well, you know. Lard Walk has been a, a prime issue of that, like that um, heavy goods vehicles have been travelling on the Lard Walk. It's, the road isn't suitable, but I suppose they're getting about their job, doing, doing their deliveries and stuff, so I had somebody on to me the other day, uh, 40 foot, uh, coming down the corkscrew, which Anyone that knows the corkscrew certainly mm. isn't isn't suitable for a vehicle of that size, you know. So it's a very very narrow rural road, and, and it's, it's like one car is, is, is bad enough to get down that road. Not in mind a big truck like that. Uh, I mean, this has happened though, Sean. In other towns, we've discussed this at length. Are we not learning our lessons from these type of works? Again, the works need to be done, and no one is is saying they don't. But every time something happens regarding works in whether it's Mallow or Fermoy or Clonakilty or Bandon, this comes up from time and time again. Why are we not learning from our mistakes in other towns? Well, I suppose each town is unique, John Paul. Um, the location of the schools, the location of the the, the, the centre of the town, the shopping centre of the town, um, and I suppose the rural area where people live, where they're coming into the town, each, each archery coming in is different, you know, so with different traffic on it, so... I suppose each town really is different in that aspect. And are you hoping that you'll have a public meeting following your meeting with traders and others? Will the public have a chance to, to come out and say what they would like or, or how would it work from here? I mean, when can we see an improvement in traffic? Well, uh, I suppose any, anyone who has a suggestion is more than welcome to contact any of the councillors and put it forward to us. Um, a public meeting, I really feel, wouldn't be of benefit because it'll be it'll be talk, it'll be hours of ongoing and there'll mm. be no answers to the question. My idea is that we'll sit down, we'll do a traffic plan, we'll bring it to the Gardaí and hopefully that they'll they'll be in agreement with some aspects of it anyway and maybe we can Im- implement it as soon as possible. And any, any timeline on implementation? Um, not really, John Paul, I suppose that just by the time we meet and the guards meet and go back to the council, I'd be hopeful that something will be changing in the next week or so, you know, but... That okay. isn't guaranteed. Well, well, we'll see what happens anyhow. Uh, for the moment, Sean, thanks for joining us. Uh, local councillor Sean O'Donovan on the issue of traffic in Bandon due to those particular works. A new traffic plan is needed. Do you agree? I'm sure many do. Many frustrated drivers each day in and out of Bandon, whereby you're either commuting via the town, living there, or maybe you have children attending some of the schools in Bandon. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You mentioned the ATMs there at the start of the show. 
show and how banks are going to now sell off their ATMs. Mainly these are the ones in shopping centres and in local stores. Bank of Ireland and AIB doing this and uh, Therese who is on text saying I use my ATM or the local ATM every day but it's in our local shop because our local bank branch closed. So we have no option but to use one of those ATMs in our local shop if that goes and it gets in the hands of a private operator it's unfair that we should pay more because of Bank of Ireland closing our local bank branch and Theresa says I used an ATM on Saturday we still need to have cash for certain places for example the collections at Mass our local shop and indeed if you're bringing your children to some of the local clubs so not everybody takes cars uh, says Theresa and on that a text was saying if we they are going to start increased charges for ATMs and that's the private operators if the bank ATMs actually go and you have a private operator you running an ATM I think we should get to organise major protest if this happens I'm putting it out there in advance I will make it my business to organise same uh, says that particular WhatsApper on 086 2103 a lot of people angry over the changes that could come about if the banks do sell off which they seemingly are going to sell off their ATM network especially going to hit people living in rural areas where they don't actually have a bank branch to go into uh, more on that a lot more comments in on that as well on the show but uh, speaking of traffic there and a lot of people texting in on traffic on their own towns uh, where they live outside of Bandon uh, the people in Middleton uh, have an issue with those who abuse the parking limits and because of that a traffic warden has now been appointed to Middleton we'll hear more about that next Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 2103 103 Let's stick uh, to the issue of traffic and while many towns dread traffic wardens Middleton's traffic warden is back on duty this week and uh, one of the reasons for this is to enforce a two hour parking limit in the town local councillor Susan McCarthy joins me about this from Middleton good morning to you Susan Good morning JP how are you? I'm fine thanks now one of the reasons for this I presume is that people were parking in the town centre of Middleton and not obeying the two hour parking and leaving their car there all day is that one of the reasons why the traffic warden is back on duty? That is the principal reason, yes. Now, obviously, there are lots of other things that go on, like people parking in loading bays or double parking or parking on double yellows. All of those things are happening as well. But I suppose the big, big issue in Middleton is we're very lucky that we have a very, very busy town. Um, But what happens then is you have some people who come in and maybe park there all day and meet somebody else and travel on to work in the city and leave the car there all day. And I suppose also there are some, you know, maybe some, you know, staff members that also use it, you know, as as a place to park all day rather than kind of parking in the parking off the main street, which would be more suitable. And there's a lot of car parks off the main street, which are literally within two minutes walking distance. It's not a big, do you know what I mean? It's not really a big ask to ask people to just park off the main street because you have a lot of people then. What happens is you have people who come in, shoppers who come in during the day, they're looking to get a few bits and pieces done. Some of them might have reduced mobility even, you know. Um, they're looking for a parking space. All the parking spaces are gone. There's no movement on those spaces all day long. And they're looking for space just to come in, get to the post office or get to, you know, the, the chemist, you know, whatever little bits and pieces of business they might have. They might need to go to the library. Things that they can only access on Main Street and they can't access it because... There literally are no parking spaces. And the two-hour limit, was that ever enforced in Middleton? It was actually before, yes. We did have, we had parking wardens before. 
So parking is free in Middleton, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, but there is a two-hour limit. And that, that was always the case. And we had um, traffic wardens right up until, I would say, about 2010. I'm not exactly sure, but if you remember, because of the economic crash, there was a moratorium put on, on staff, on recruiting staff within uh, local authorities across the country. And so, unfortunately, when the wardens, uh, you know, retired, we were left with no warden. Um, and I suppose then because of the fact that we don't have paid parking, uh, you know, it was very, very difficult for us to get to a stage where, you know, we, we had to convince uh, the local authority then to reinstate a warden for us. And the you fear know. here is though, because we got a lot of texts and WhatsApps over the weekend when the news came out that a traffic warden was going to be reintroduced to Middleton, uh, they're fearful that pay parking now could be introduced. I mean, is that something, because if there is an issue with people parking all day and misusing parking spaces, that pay parking could get introduced to Middleton? Well, I'll tell you now, JP, I fought very, very hard. And, you know, the executive staff in County Hall will vouch for this. I fought very, very hard to get this warden in on kind of an ad hoc basis. We will not get a full-time warden, but we will have a warden that will swoop in, swoop in from time to time. Uh, they'll be based mainly in Cove and Yall because they are paid parking towns. So they'll have full-time parking wardens. We, what, we, what I have managed to, to negotiate is that we will have somebody that will come in and swoop in and make sure that the two-hour bylaw is being adhered to. So there is no question of paid parking as yet. I know that if we do want a full-time parking warden reinstated, you know, they, they probably will, will push back again on that. That You know, I'm not going to deny that. That is an issue that we will have if we do want a full-time one. But I'm just, I've negotiated this as an interim measure, and I think this is going to work brilliantly, you know, and maybe this will be enough to kind of sort the problem out. Maybe people will realise, you know, if they leave their car all day and they get, you know, a hefty fine, that might be enough for them to stop doing it. And we might be able to continue to avoid pay parking. Yeah, that would be my hope. But you would be fearful that it could get introduced if the situation continues because I'm sure the council would love to have more coppers coming from a town like Middleton, a growing town where a lot of parking takes place there. Absolutely, and it's a very busy town, so it would be very, very lucrative. Yeah. However, I am making the argument that there are two other towns, you know, within the county that are, you know, don't have pay parking and have a warden. So I'm kind of, I'm sticking to my guns on this one and, you know, I will prevent it as long as is possible. And the traffic warden, is he actually paid by our our council staff? It's not a private company, no? No, it will be council staff directly. And you mentioned there about people who park their cars and maybe get the train to work in the city. A text here from John who says, I live near Middleton in a housing estate. The council have taken over the running of the housing estate, but it's actually a private housing estate. But what we have is people who park in our housing estate early in the morning will then get a train from Middleton to Cork and then come back again and get their car from our housing estate and drive off to other areas of East Cork. Is there anything we can do? Because basically they're using our housing estate and the visiting parking spaces in our housing estate as free parking while they go to Cork every day on the train. They don't have to pay for parking in any train station and they don't have to pay for parking in the city. Uh, Can Susan address this or is there any laws regarding this? Now, as far as I'm aware, housing estates would not be affected by that that parking bylaw. That would not be. So we wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have the remit to go in and stop people from doing that. But I find that a lot of the people that park on the main street, if, if they're travelling on, they're parking on the main street because they're meeting somebody else who's travelling in <clears throat> or because they're getting the bus. Generally speaking, to be fair, train use, I'm quite surprised because 
train users generally move up to the train station mm. where there is ample parking. Like it's actually, you know, and it's free. We negotiated that a few years back. Uh, Minister David Stanton negotiated that, that uh, with with uh, Irish Rail that we would have free parking up there as well. So we're very, very lucky in Middleton. You know, there's actually no excuse for them to be parking in a local estate. I don't understand that one because obviously they have, as I said, so much free parking spaces right on the doorstep. No, of I'm the not too sure if this person is actually in Middleton. He said he lives near Middleton, so it could be an issue for Glanton or it could be an issue for Carrow Tool. I'm not too sure if he's in Middleton Town himself. Possibly. But but if it is an issue um, in a in an estate outside of Middleton, and it could be anywhere in the county, if someone is basically parking in a housing estate to avail of public transport into a city, there's is there any laws against that, or is it just up to the housing uh, the housing committee within that estate really to see if they can sort that? Now, I couldn't tell you, I don't think there's any law specifically, JP, to be honest, mm. I really don't. But um, certainly the, the car parking spaces within an estate are clearly delineated. They're either for use for the, you know, for the, um, the uh, residents the homeowner or, or the for visitor, their visitors. Yeah. yeah. And that, that is what they're designated for. So if there is an ongoing issue, maybe they could report, uh, you know, report it to the Gardaí possibly would be the best thing you know, for them to, yeah. to, you know, kind of enforce it if they are coming in from other estates and they're not visiting the estate as such. If they're parking their car and abandoning it there, you know, that is wrong. And, you know, I, I but I, I would need to, I think that's more kind of a guard issue. Yeah, than I see another kind of, text. You know, town centre kind of uh, parking warden type issue. Would be different, yeah. Caroline yeah, is texting as well, uh, who says she lives in a housing estate on the city north side and her housing estate is becoming a park and ride. She feels of people who are commuting from East Cork parking in her particular housing estate and then getting the city buses into the city centre. So that is an issue that we'll have to look back on uh, from people who were using uh, private housing estates as park and rides yeah. as Caroline puts it anyhow the yeah, that's a separate issue but certainly yeah that will have to be addressed as well that'll have to be looked at yeah it um, will and it's a new I, issue for, for some people it around Middleton as I said because we do have the free parking we are lucky about having that we have free mm. parking spaces also at the, at, at the train station and a two hour parking now the limit is there and will be enforced so people are warned about that in Middleton the traffic warden uh, on duty from this week to enforce the two hour, hour limit which I suppose in a way then will free up the spaces as you mentioned for shoppers so even though some people mightn't like that it will be a positive for those in the town in relation to businesses anyhow well, I think now, JV, the, the, the reason that I decided to actually go ahead and, 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 you know, fight for this was because, you know, not only were traders in the town contacting me about it, but it was actually more coming from other residents in the town, the shoppers of the town. People with reduced mobility were contacting me saying, I can't get to the post office, you know, um, the, the town is completely choked up. And I mean, it stops fluidity of cars as well through the town. It causes traffic problems because what you get is it's so bad and people cannot access a parking space. So they're they're slowing down, they're letting people with reduced mobility, you know, get out of the car and it takes a little bit of time for people like that. And, you know, they're holding up a whole line of traffic behind them because they can't actually park in anywhere. So we do need this. And I mean I think what what has been proven is people who come into town to use the town for their little bits and pieces, the average you know, the average time spent is twenty minutes. You know, so if we had that turnover, if we had like one space being used every 20 minutes, that would be 24 cars per day in the, you know, within business hours. It would have a huge more, you know, a huge turnover of cars and access to the town. Much more people would be able to access the town. As it is, a lot of people have actually said they go elsewhere. They go to shopping centres out of the town because they can't shop in the town. 
and that can be frustrating for those then who yeah. are businesses in the town uh, for the moment okay. Susan uh, thank you for that we'll see how uh, that goes on for you guys in Middleton that is local councillor from Middleton Susan McCarthy and what they are doing there to enforce tour parking limits within the town of Middleton on that a lot of people and John was the first to raise this who lives somewhere near Middleton could be Caracoot or Glanton not too sure but uh, for people who are basically using private housing estates as park and rides then as Caroline puts it so is that something new uh, that's happening if you notice this here if you're living in areas whereby you might be living near a public transport hub for a, a local bus stop or indeed a local train station and are people using your housing estate as a park and ride facility parking in the actual visitor spaces and taking up those spaces then for those who were coming home in the evening and can't park anywhere because those who are using it to use the public transport are in those spaces anyhow let us know if that is an issue that's affecting you it is affecting some people anyhow living uh, on the city north side and indeed in areas of East Cork 1850-333-103 also on the way we'll have more on the ATM sales by Bank of Ireland and AIB how people feel that is unfair it would lead to an increased cost in you taking out your money from the local ATM also more on pensions how the pension age is due to increase to 67 next year and why people are unhappy that still when you are let go from your employer at 65 because of contracts you have to basically go and get job seekers from your local social welfare office discussing that with SIP2 who are raising a campaign and starting a campaign against that and we'll also hear how we will have some good news anyhow uh, for energy customers regarding gas prices they're due to reduce will electricity follow uh, that and more to come between now and 12 and after 12 we'll be finding out what could be Cork's favourite song along with nutritional questions from Annalisa your lines uh, your calls are welcome and our lines are open 1850 333 or you can text or WhatsApp 86 Good morning to you. Bernie taking your calls and comments this morning to 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp. Yes, our WhatsApp is back working. You can do and WhatsApp us on 0862-103-103. Tweet this morning at C103Cork. A number of calls and comments in on various issues we were talking about this morning. But first of all, we've got a number of texts and calls in in relation to a show on RTE on Saturday the night and this was the Tommy Tiernan show and a texter here is saying it was so good to watch that particular show with that young man from Nahini that had a drug problem and the way that he turned around his life. Drugs are the biggest problem facing the Irish people. A lot bigger than climate change that the government and others want to talk about and all this talk because they can collect carbon tax from the hard-pressed motorists going to work and also Mary in Carrigline wants to congratulate that man from that particular show on Saturday night and that man that spoke on Tommy Tiernan's show is James Leonard. He was a guest on the show uh, on Saturday night and he spoke about him overcoming uh, his drug problem and indeed uh, how he basically turned his life around and he spoke very honestly about that and a lot of people impressed at his honesty but also uh, as one texter saying here how drugs are uh, a problem and probably the biggest problem at the moment facing Irish society uh, as the one text says bigger than climate change thank you for your calls on that a lot of people on to us regarding the pension as well we are discussing uh, pensions shortly on the show and indeed the issue that many people are facing when they are forced to leave their employment at the age of 65 and then they have a gap in earnings because at the moment it's 66 for the pension age and that is to increase to 67 next year and there is a campaign underway to stop that age increase to 67 SIP2 one of those involved in that 
we'll speak to them shortly on the show uh, but on the particular pension ages and, and the, what's been going on over the last few weeks and the discussion of pensions and, and there's a lot of people have various discussions and various views on this from people who paid into a pension that never performed to people who were not and have not the opportunity to take out a pension then you had people who maybe had took time off over the years and didn't work to raise their children and they're not entitled uh, to a full pension so everybody's situation is different but the one thing is that everybody has to leave depending on their contract uh, their place of work at 65 but yet there is a gap in receiving your particular state pension well on this uh, texts are here saying uh, when the and I presume this was the Taoiseach was in charge of social welfare they ran a campaign to reduce fraud does everybody remember that particular campaign well these pensioners then who had to sign on for job seekers committed fraud because on the form they had to sign it said so uh, so this government encouraged fraud and would have continued to do so only that it was picked up by the media at the time. So this idea now of an interim payment, uh, this texture field, could only be an election promise as it was never on the cards in the past. A lot of confusion on that particular interim payment. I don't know if anybody got that. Uh, there seems to be different rules for the public and indeed private service. We'll discuss that though at length shortly with SIP2. And Sandy, on the issue of pensions, says the pension waiting period to 66, which it is at present, I think people are missing a very important point in regards to pensions. After you were obliged or forced to retire at 65, you get unemployment benefit for nine months only. Then a means test is required to get dole for three months and this period would increase to 15 months from 2021. If you've got a big redundancy or a retirement payment, this added, this all of course is added to your savings and will reduce your payment. One man uh, who spoke to us in C103 a number of weeks ago said he was only getting €8 weekly, while TDs got a pay restoration and civil servants get pensions at 63, uh, says Sandy on text 0862103103. And yeah, it does depend on everybody's situation, but you're right, they are means testing those particular payments as well uh, with regards to that uh, particular unemployment benefit you mentioned there, Sandy. Thank you for your text on that. And we did speak to our senior news reporter Fiona Cochran earlier on the show on the arrest uh, made in a connection with the Cameron Blair case and of course Cameron Blair laid to rest yesterday at Kilbeg near Bandon and I did I meant to mention earlier when we were discussing uh, that uh, and the, the tributes and indeed the special guards of honour that were provided uh, by the Bandon Grammar School the Hamilton High School Bandon Rugby Club Bandon Athletic Club and indeed CIT yesterday uh, from the outskirts of Bandon um, where indeed the funeral cortege was travelling in from into St Peter's Church in Bandon Town well uh, the story has touched a lot of people one of those is David McGrath on text who says I did not know Cameron Bush from what I've heard and read about you I feel I know you for years you remind me a lot of myself says David the knowledge and the way you helped people in your short life far exceeds your young age. I don't know if there is a next life, being a Catholic and a Christian, I believe there is, and hopefully there will be a college up there and that you will go on and fulfil your dream of being an engineer. I have no doubt that you will be successful in all that you do. You will forever be sorely missed thinking of you and your family in these sad times. Yours, David McGrath on text to 0862103103. And the issue we spoke about earlier on the show regarding traffic in Bandon 
and a new traffic plan being looked at to deal with the congestion. Of course, all of this is to do with works in Bandon and while people welcome the works in the town, uh, the traffic plan seems to have gone wrong with uh, major arteries being closed and this basically resulting in traffic going nowhere, especially at peak times. It's frustrating people who are commuting via Bandon, those locals living in the area and those who have uh, who work there as well, the traders and those who have to attend school in Bandon because, in fact, if you're going into the town we will be waiting for quite a while because of the amount of streets that are closed they feel there's a better way of doing that there's a better way uh, of managing the traffic in that particular plan we spoke about some of the ideas uh, that we, we've heard over the last few weeks and that some councillors are coming up with along with traders when we spoke with the local councillor Sean O'Donovan earlier in the show but on this uh, Sean who travels from Bishopstown daily uh, and is obviously a commuter via Banland says the excuses regarding the chaos are not accurate for example Two weeks ago, some genius decided that resurfacing was needed in Old Chapel. Did anyone realise the traffic chaos that would result as the Dunmanway Road was already closed at Baxter's Bridge, so all traffic going east and west was diverted through Old Chapel? You can't blame the Gardaí for that brainless decision, says Sean, who travels from Bishopstown daily. Yeah, you're right, Sean. I mean, when you have a diversion in place like that and then they decide to do roadworks in that particular area of the diversion and cause more delays. It does question on who was looking at these particular plans and future plans for various works. And on that, a text is saying, I need to travel from Dumanwit to Bandon. Do I still need to go uh, via Baxter's Bridge? Is that road closed? As far as we're aware, the, the uh, Dumanwit Road in Bandon still remains closed and you will be diverted at Baxter's Bridge onto the main Clonakilty Road if you are travelling from Dumanwit into Bandon. And on ATMs, and this is how Bank of Ireland and AIB are planning to sell off uh, their ATM networks. The majority of these they're selling off are based within shops and indeed within supermarkets. But uh, something people might have forgotten about, especially in rural areas where, again, uh, people will be hit with this, is when those ATMs leave and they're not in ownership of Bank of Ireland or AIB anymore they more than likely will be replaced but be replaced by an independent operator and that independent operator of course will be looking to make money and make a profit so for example you might be charged between 20 and 40 cents with Bank of Ireland or AIB when you withdraw your cash when it's your cash remember uh, from an ATM those ATMs now could be charging more because a private operator might charge you more uh, 30 cent, 40 cent, 50 cent you will see that in certain locations in cities or indeed maybe in some train stations or bus stations where they will have an ATM but it will say depending on your bank you could be charged more for withdrawing cash and again it's your cash well on this and people using cash and we had examples of people using the ATMs over the course of the show earlier Dennis here has an example where he says Hi JP I had to whip out some cash out of an ATM recently for a tyre place last week because I wasn't sure if he had an ATM or had a terminal within uh, his actual tyre location. So it turns out in the end he did and it was probably the first time in three years, Dennis says, that I had cash on me. Long story short, I say scrap those ATM machines like the e-voting machines back in the day. Sure, everyone who is using the card is better protected these days in terms of fraud and won't have to worry about getting counterfeit 20 or 50 euro notes in change, says Dennis, uh, regarding cash and the ATMs. So, are you, Do you agree with Dennis uh, regarding cash? I mean, do you prefer to deal with cash or like Dennis? 
business do you prefer to deal with cards and pay for card rather than using cash? Now, the only thing on this is if we look to the future and any consumer bodies are worried about this, that if they are forcing us away from withdrawing cash from ATMs and forcing us away from using cash on a daily basis, the big worry here from consumer groups is that for all the taps we do, and at the moment banks encourage you to tap, some banks even give you offers that you'll receive money back once you tap under a certain amount and they have less charges or no charges for tapping. Will we see a situation by when you use your card, even either if you tap your card or you use this in putting your cards in a shop and typing in your pen, will now there be higher charges for that when they have us all moved away from cash? Will they then catch us by increasing charges for using our card in, like Dennis described, the terminal in the shop or indeed by tapping, that they'll charge you more to tap and they will then have a majority of people who use the card so they can basically do what they want because they have phased out cash in society. And that's what a lot of the banks want to do is phase out cash. So while people welcome using cards and feel it's safer and easier, a lot of consumer groups are watching this and feel that it might be good now, but who's to say in three or four years the banks will charge us? And after all, the banks are there too to make a profit. Anyhow, thank you for your text and it's to 86 You can WhatsApp us as well on that number. And a text here on something we discussed last week, and this was the crematorium, which now has not got a planning to go ahead in the can or near Kenturk, anyhow, off the main Mallow to Killarney Road. And someone's making a suggestion, maybe this was made, but I don't think it was, um, because there was a hotel at that particular site before. Uh, this text says, could they not set up a new hotel there that would cater more or less like a dance hall for country and Western bands? It would be great if someone could make that happen. That's an idea. Would someone be willing to go ahead and do that, invest money, uh, build uh, and redo a, a dance hall for that area? Would it attract crowds? Would it work? Uh, your views are welcome on 1850 Text or WhatsApp 86 Your views on pensions, though, we're speaking to SIP2 next on that issue on pensions and indeed uh, the state pension age to increase to 67 next year. And a lot of confusion uh, that surrounds pensions and a lot of unfairness as well uh, that's around those who have to leave their employment at 65 and then have an, a, a gap to fill uh, it's basically a cash gap because they're not getting paid uh, from the employer and they're not receiving their state pension discussing that next C103 Jobs with Hewitt College now enrolling for full time fifth and sixth year and repeat leaving cert programs your success is built on their experience see hewittcollege.ie Healthcare assistants are wanted for Skibbereen Residential Care Centre. Previous experience and FETAC Level 5 is essential. A cook and a kitchen assistant is also required. Email your CV to info at skibcare.com. A part-time administrator is wanted to work two days per week in the Mallow area. Email your CV and cover letter to asamallow at gmail.com for the attention of Carol Power. And milk recorder contractors are required for the Blarney, Carrig Line, Middleton, Skull, Bantry area. Send your letter and indeed a CV to careers at munsterbovine.ie by February 14th. These opportunities and more now are online. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. A number of political parties have voiced their support for a sip campaign calling for plans to increase the pension age to be abandoned. Many people are contractually obliged to retire at 65, but the state pension is not available until a person turns 66. Researcher at sip Michael Taft, joins me on this. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Now, yourselves at SIP2, you've done a lot of work on this and joining other organisations as well, such as Age Action, because all this came about in 2014 when the then government increased the age to 66. Many workers have to leave their employment at 65 and then there's a gap in payments and a lot rely on job seekers, which they feel is unfair. And even though they have a right to receive that, they feel it's unfair because they've worked all their lives and have never claimed any type of benefit. And now they have to. I'm I'm sure you're hearing that as well in all your... Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Research. Yes, uh, what happens is that uh, when you turn 65, uh, what used to, there used to be a transition pension. That was abolished in 2014. So now you have to wait to 66 to get your pension, you can apply for job seekers benefit. <clears throat> uh, most people will be able to get it, but some won't be able to, and they'll be forced onto a means-tested payment. In both instances, uh, you will receive substantially less than what you would have received uh, for your pension, about two thousand euros less a year for a single person, and it can be up to five to six thousand euros less uh, if you're a, a couple. Uh, there's also other problems with it. You've got to show that you are available for work uh, or available for education. And in some instances, people have been denied uh, the right to travel abroad to, uh, say, visit their children who might be living uh, in Europe or Australia or the States because you're only allowed two weeks holiday uh, when you're on the uh, job seekers benefit. So what's going to happen is next year, if, if the current regime continues, the, the pension age will increase to 67. So not only will you have this gap at the age of 66, now you'll have this gap for two years. And, of course, the government's proposing to increase it to 68 by 2028. Uh, so you're going to have a lot of people caught in what could be called a kind of a bureaucratic limbo whereby they're forced to retire, or in many cases they need to retire because they've been working for 40, 45 years in a very stressful, physically or mentally demanding job, but uh, they can't access their pension yet and have to rely on payments which are not nearly as good and have conditions uh, which you know they wouldn't have if they were receiving the pension. And while everybody's case is different, what we're hearing, and I'm sure you are as well, a lot of self-employed people, maybe carpenters, builders, electricians, whatever, they need to, as you mentioned, they've been outdoor, a very physical job. They they want to retire at 65, but they will not get the full benefit because they're self-employed. They have to give their accounts over to the departments. And some of those people are getting very little uh, a week on this particular job seekers. 
and they just feel they're losing out and a lot of people are fearful now for, for next year and at the moment there's no turning back on this from what we can see anyway even though there is talk about about a transitional payment which is promised but a, a promise is a promise and that might not come true. Well that's true. Now the thing, uh, a number of parties have um, uh, supported uh, a SIP2 Stop 67 campaign uh, and uh, importantly Fianna Fáil has uh, proposed to defer the increase in the pension age and set up a commission to look at all these issues. Uh, I just make this point. In 2017, three years ago, the Joint Oireachtas Committee on Social Protection, in which all the political parties are represented on, actually looked at this very issue, and particularly that gap when between the time you you're retire and can pick up the pension age. And they, uh, you know, they heard the evidence from the civil society groups, like age action uh, and uh, age retirement, uh, and what they recommended was that the government should suspend the increase in the pension age and sort out these problems. And this was this was agreed unanimously by TDs and senators from Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, Labour, Sinn Féin. So in one sense, what we're o- only asking is that the uh, political parties just commit uh, to what they what they already recommended uh, in, a, in an Iraqis report. And to bring the age back to 65, I mean, that has been mentioned before as well. And, and there, initially, there's cost reasons to the state for that. But could that actually happen? Well, it, it, yes, it can. What SIP2, is, SIP2 has two demands. The first is to stop the increase to 67. Whatever about going back to 65, if we can't stop the increase to 67, you know, that, that, you know then, then we're just, you know, there, there won't be any kind of going back to 65 or whatever. That's the first demand. The second demand is to establish a stakeholders forum where all the uh, uh, partners, the, what you call the stakeholders, which are impacted by this, that's employees, employers, civil society groups um, <clears throat> who represent uh, uh, you know, o- older people, can then thrash out the, these, these, these problems, not only in terms of the pension age, uh, but also things like age discrimination uh, contracts. Being, in other words, being forced to retire at the age of 65, and other issues related to the quality of life uh, uh, for people uh, in retirement. Now, in that setting, what you can actually look at is what many European countries do, which is to have flexibility around the age of uh, around the pension age. So, for instance, a country may say, "Okay, our pension age is 65," but you can actually, if you've had enough contributions over a lifetime, you know, if you started work early and built up 40 or 45 contributions, you can retire earlier than 65. And what's also key is you can continue working beyond 65 if you want to. So what we need is flexibility uh, uh, around the retirement age so that it can facilitate people's own choice and people's lifestyle and needs. So yes, it is possible, but what we need to do is get this back in to a wide-ranging discussion because there was no consultation on the issue of raising the pension age. And that's where everything went, went awry. There was no consultation with trade unions, employer groups, never mind those groups that represented older people. 
I think flexibility is a big issue there which you mentioned and people would like that to happen. Another issue that we're hearing is from people who work in private companies had a private pension that they paid into themselves and of course we all know what happened over the last 10 years those pensions did not perform. So their only way of getting a pension now is the state pension. Uh, there's terms and conditions and some pensions that means they can't draw anything until they're 70 plus and then others just just don't have any money in them and they can't draw them down. For those people, there is nothing only waiting for the state pension and job seekers. I mean, these people are very frustrated because they feel it was the state who took their pensions from the private sector for the pension pot and to keep the state going. And now they're in a situation whereby they can't even get their entitlements at the age of 65. I mean, those people you must have heard from who were just very, very frustrated with us this morning. That, that's correct. I mean, the, the, the most most older people today, their main, if not only, income in retirement is the state pension. Now, quite a few can top uh, have a top up with an occupational pension or possibly personal pensions, but for the most part, the state pension is the driving uh, is the main uh, the main income for most people. So that's where you start. And what you want to do is set up a situation whereby you have this flexibility, not only with public pensions, but with private pensions, especially those private pensions which are linked to and integrated into the state pension system, uh, and to uh, give support to both types of pensions so that people have two different ways to um, uh, save, if you will. The problem is, of course, in the private sector, two-thirds of uh, workers don't uh, have a, uh, a second pension, a private pension. You know, they're just totally reliant on the state pension. And that, again, is, you know, one of the main issues that we have to begin to address. Because if you take a step back, Ireland is is one of the highest income economies in Europe. Uh, And uh, and we have one of the youngest populations in Europe. We have a very small proportion of older people compared to the rest of the population of other European countries. We can well afford to provide a decent living standard for people when they hit retirement. Not only a living standard in terms of income, but a living standard in terms of community supports and social uh, uh, supports. So, you know, that, that, the funding is not an issue, uh, except that we just have to get it right. We have to make sure that we have the right channels through the money is being provided, the pension payments are being provided. But we can uh, make this work for people in retirement. Uh, so when people say, well, you know, there's not enough money or it's too expensive, you know, other European countries who have much higher proportion of older people, they worked that out a long time ago. We should even, we could even, we would benefit by even looking at how they do it because we have a young population now and in, in 50 years time, we will still have the youngest population in Europe. So those, that, that's an advantage to us. That's a benefit. So let's see if we can build on that. Okay, Jerry is a carpenter. He says, you touched there on self-employed people a while ago. I'm one of those. I just had to give up work at 65 thinking I would be entitled to the state pension until I went inquiring. And I wasn't, of course, until 66. The job seekers then, uh, that the full amount wasn't given to me. And what I was getting a week, I could barely pay the bills. That is the reality of those of us who reach the age of 65. You touched on flexibility there a while ago, uh, Michael. These companies that 
that do force people to retire at 65. Are they wrong? I mean, can we extend contracts? You mentioned there about flexibility on people working on different ages. Can companies change contracts? I know some companies do whereby someone will leave their full-time employment at 65 and then come back in on a Monday under a contract basis and still works with the company under contract. Could that be encouraged more, do you think? Well, I mean, the, the recent legislation in the public sector, you know, where the government is the employer, mm. they changed the rules for public sector employees who can now work up to the age of 70. Uh, there is no reason why private sector companies uh, cannot, you know, change the contract. Uh, in other words, to give people the choice. I don't think people are going to mind that their contract is going to be changed to say, well, you can retire at 65, but you can work on, uh, uh, you know, beyond that. So there is no issue with that. Now, the question has been raised as to whether the uh, state can come in and say that contracts which require people to retire at a certain age are discriminatory and should therefore be abolished. There is a debate about whether the state can do that. But it does seem to be that if you are uh, discriminating against a person on the basis of age, just like if you were to do it on the basis of, uh, uh, of gender, uh, or sexual orientation or nationality, if you do it on the basis of age, it seems like uh, that shouldn't be legal. Uh, but in answer to your question, regardless of that, you know, the state coming in and abolishing those kind of age discrimination contracts, it is clearly the case it is any private sector employer, any employer can actually change, uh, uh, can, can, can provide for their employees to work beyond the age of 65 if they so wish. And what do you make then, and not putting public against private, but public servants, when they retire, seemingly they can avail of some type of short-term funds until they reach the state age pension, while those in the private sector, as we are hearing, cannot. I mean, it's not very fair to be dividing the public and private in that particular way. I mean, it's it's a case of those working in the private sector to suck it up. And if you're in the public sector, well, you get that particular payment. I mean, it should be surely a level playing field. There should be a level playing field, absolutely. The provision that public sector workers uh, um, now have actually goes back to 1995, uh, when there was a changeover, because prior to 1995, um, uh, public sector employees weren't entitled to the state pension. They had to rely fully on their pension. In 1995, public sector workers were integrated into the PRSI system. They paid the full 4%, like any other private sector worker, uh, uh, and they got entitled to a pension. But to equalize the treatment between those who started work before 95 and after 95, they brought this in to make sure there's no discrimination between those two sets of employees. Now, nobody anticipated this problem 20, 25 years later. Uh, so this has just arisen because of the government's uh, first abolishing the transition pension and then trying to raise it you know, to 67 and then 68. But getting back to your question about treating public and private sector uh, workers equally, yes. And the problem is that the majority of employers in this country don't provide for an occupational pension, nor does the state, through the social insurance system, um, raise enough social contribution from employers to give uh, private, to give all workers, but in this case private sector workers, um, a, a decent pension income, uh, income in their retirement. That, again, is a matter of policy. But, you know, the governments have not pursued that. Uh, the state has uh, operated a very anemic type of social insurance system, again, referring to other European countries. 
their state pensions are actually pay-related. Uh, ours is not. It's a flat rate. Uh, so that means that in the European countries, there's very little difference between public and private sector workers when it comes to pensions. Here there is because uh, the state doesn't require the employers to participate in uh, uh, occupational pension schemes or do it through the social insurance system. Now, there's an attempt to change that with the auto-enrollment that is proposed to be coming in, where everybody will be automatically enrolled into a second-tier pension, you know, an, another pension apart from the state pension. But that's been delayed and delayed and delayed, and we've yet to even see the details of it. So we don't know when that will be introduced. Okay, question here from someone on WhatsApp, and I presume this is to do with uh, contracts or contracts within the public service, but this person is asking, why is it that public service workers can retire younger and then get another job and end up with two pensions while the rest of us have to wait for our own pension? Well, I, no, I, I don't quite know the detail of the public sector pensions, but uh, uh, in, in many cases to receive what's called the supplementary pension, which is what this is referring to, that supplement between when they retire and when they get the, uh, uh, the state pension, uh, they, they, they can't work. So they can't work if they get this supplementary pension. And by the way, there's all sorts of other restrictions on this. We don't actually know uh, how many people, uh, public sector workers, benefit from a supplementary pension. Hello? Yeah, no, yeah, I can hear yeah, you. Sorry. Uh, how many uh, benefit from the supplementary pension? So, um, uh, uh, but just to put that point, at least in getting that supplement, um, uh, a worker uh, cannot, you know, take up employment. Okay, so your your campaign anyhow for this is called Stop 67. I mean, we are in election time and there's parties promising everything. Are you confident you can stop the age increasing to 67? Well, it, it's actually looking good. Uh, I mean, we, the, the, certainly the uh, pension age uh, as an issue uh, has become a very a big issue. I mean, you you talk to all parties, all canvassers from parties, and they'll say that's one of the the big issues that are coming up at the doorstep. So yes, we can stop this. But you know, I would urge people who are being affected by this, or whose parents or family members are being affected by this, the more that it's brought up at the doorstep, the more the candidates are questioned on about this, uh, the the more that you know they will respond. Uh, to to what the voters want, so that in the post-election situation, we would hope to see, and we will be continuing the campaign after the election to ensure that in any new program for government, uh, provisions to stop um, uh, the pension age from rising to 67 uh, will be included in that program. Well, we'll wait and see what happens, Michael. Anyhow, over the next number of months regarding that, I think a lot of people feel it's unfair what is happening, so I would support that particular campaign for the moment. Uh, Michael, thank you for joining us this morning on the programme. Thank you. That's uh, SIP2's researcher Michael Taft on that pension issue. Maybe you're affected by this. Let us know. 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And from pensions to some good news for energy consumers. Gas prices are to reduce. If you have gas in your home, you will see your particular gas bill reducing. We're discussing that next. And also we'll try and find out if electricity prices will follow. Uh, we'll be speaking with Owen Clark from switcher.ie next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 Well, hopefully we're going to look forward to some lower energy bills in the next while. This is following the wholesale market price for gas falling by half in the last year. Owen Clark is from switcher.ie and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Owen. 
Good morning, John Paul. Uh, first of all, the reason for this is the market price and it seems to have fallen by half in the last year. So how soon can we see a change in our household bills in relation to gas? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. Um, we What we seen last year was around a 40% drop in wholesale gas prices and a 42% drop in electricity prices. Now, a lot of our energy is, is imported via um, Britain. It comes through subsea pipelines from Scotland. Um, so we're buying, I suppose, importing uh, wholesale fuel on, on an import, in, in a import market from, from a European prices. So it has dropped, um, but we haven't seen that filter through to household bills yet typically what happens is an energy supplier will tell us that they buy energy in at bulk uh, on the wholesale market and they buy it at a, a set rate so after a period of time which we've seen now for for the last year we've seen a drop uh, you would expect to see that filter through to household bills now a good indication is also to look at what happens in the UK market in terms of our prices coming down. That hasn't happened yet. Typically what would happen is we'd see the UK would fall first and then Ireland would fall afterwards. And and again, typically once there's one energy supplier that uh, decreased their prices in Ireland, we see that others follow suit. But that hasn't happened yet and we haven't seen any indication of when that might happen. But as prices, wholesale prices have gone down, it has to filter through to household bills at some stage. And when it does filter through on average, how much would a gas bill reduce to or by how much could it reduce to? That that would be determined individually by an energy supplier. But I think it's important to note that when, when we talk about wholesale costs uh, of uh, energy bills, the makeup, if you look at uh, what makes up an electricity bill, for example, you've got things like raw fuels, generation, transmission and distribution costs. Then you've got things like taxes, taxes and levies and supply. So the wholesale cost, the wholesale, the part of the, the, the bill that makes up the wholesale cost is only a portion of it. So uh, although you might see prices, uh, wholesale prices decrease by 40%, that may only filter down to something, you know, 4 or 5% on, on, on bills um, when, when we see the total discount. So from the overall fuel side of things, I suppose it's something like what we see with the fuel prices dropping in the petrol pumps. It can take a few days. This is different because they're buying in bulk. And the energy companies themselves, I mean, are, are they coming out to say anything on how soon they're going to pass out this or had they said anything about what's happening on the wholesale market? Yeah, we haven't we haven't heard anything um, as such. I mean... What, what we typically hear is that a, an energy supplier is constantly reviewing their prices, which which we believe to be true. Um, it's just that there is pressure now for a period of time. We have seen decreases, so um, it would be nice to see that filter through to bills sooner rather than later. I mean, on the flip side of that coin, we are seeing very good discounts for new customers. So some of the highest discounts that we've ever seen, as high as 36% if you're prepared to switch to a new supplier. Um, typically a typical household in Ireland now if you're paying if you haven't switched in a couple of years and you're on your supplier standard rates a typical household could save around 
57 euro just by switching their energy bills so that's gas and electricity and that's for like a typical three bedroom home if you have five bedroom home maybe four kids you know your energy consumption is going to be higher and your savings will be greater so you know the quick fire way to make sure that you put money in your own back pocket is to to ask yourself when was the last time i switched review your current gas and electricity bill um i mean you can grab a copy of that bring it to the switcher website and you can compare prices for free and switch so it, it is a quick fire way to if you're not seeing if we're not seeing price decreases from wholesale courses a way to put money back in your back pocket is 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 to switch and switch to a, a new tariff which would typically give you a 12-month discount um and a 12-month contract so you'd be signing up to something like direct debit and online billing for example so that's a quick fire way that would be f- take five minutes to do the cru which is uh, the commission for uh, regulation for utilities in ireland will tell us that around 15 percent of households uh, only switch to gas and electricity each year so that's a mammoth amount of us that potentially are overpaying for our energy bills because we haven't switched and when you switch then is it a case that you leave your obviously your, your existing supplier to your new supplier does the new supplier then make contact with your old supplier and does it cut off on the same day or how does that work when people switch yeah, uh, the the process again. If you're if you're not new to it, it, it might be confusing. But it, the reality is, it's very simple. Um, you're giving your new information to your new energy supplier. So you're giving things like your meter number, your meter reading, um, your uh, address details, etc. So they can set up your account. So what they will do, the new supplier will contact your old supplier, give them. Uh, the last meter reading so they'll use that as a cut off to send you your last bill so you don't the reality is you don't need to contact your existing supplier the new supplier will do that on your behalf they will give the the meter reading to cut off for your final bill so the the transition to that should be you know you should be able to switch in in, in a matter of uh, weeks before your new supply is connected and uh, sorry I should say before your your new uh, energy supplier is in situ and there's no loss in service so you don't lose any supply. You're not going to get disconnected. Um, the gas and electricity that comes into your home still comes through the same pipes and cables. The only thing is that you're paying a cheaper rate for it. And as I said, there's some discounts out there now at the moment that are around 36%. So there's a lot of money to be saved. So make sure you have a look and see if you can save money if you don't see it coming your way as it is. And I mentioned gas prices there and what's happening. Electricity prices. I mean, can we see electricity prices to follow gas and a reduction on our electricity bills? Yeah, it's 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 the same. I mean, we've seen a similar discount. It was a 42% drop last year in wholesale costs for electricity. So I would imagine if, if uh, gas goes that electricity would follow, we would typically see that, that there would be reductions in both at the same time. So um, again, you know, the onus is on energy suppliers to make sure that, you know, they're monitoring this space and uh, passing on savings where, where possible. Well, it's good news that we're talking about reductions anyhow, rather than increases. And let's hope we see those reductions in our bills for the moment. Owen, thanks for joining us this morning on that issue. Uh, that is Owen Clark there from switcher.ie. Sheila was in touch from Mill Street just when we were speaking to Owen Clark from switcher.ie about prices if they come down. She's on direct debit. She wants to know, will she see her direct debit come down as well? Well, overall, you will, because if your overall bill will come down, well, then your direct debit will also come down. But as he said, it goes on the likes of other charges 
interest in your bill and also bank charges. So while the overall bill will come down, you still have to factor in other charges that are affected with direct debit. But overall, yeah, you should see your direct debit decrease if your overall bill is coming down. On the way after midday, more of your calls and comments. Also, what could be Cork's favourite song? We'll hear about that ahead of the overall reveal tonight at the City Library on the Grand Parade. And if you have a nutritional question, get them into us now. Annalisa joins us after 12.30. You can call Bernie 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Good afternoon to you, 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. Bernie takes your comments or you can text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Keep your questions coming as well for Annalisa who joins us from the Health Hub in Banning Any health or nutritional questions you have for Annalisa, get them into us. She'll join us after 12.30 on the show. And also, we're going to try and find out what could be Cork's favourite song ahead of the reveal later tonight at the City Library on Grand Parade. The MC on the night is sports broadcaster Trevor Welsh. He'll join us on what to expect tonight if you want to go along there to the City Library on what could be Cork's favourite song. Discussing that shortly but I want to let people know of a public meeting that is taking place tonight. A lot of concern over the future of Bantry Hospital at the moment and the Bantry Hospital Users Action Group. They're holding a public meeting and that is taking place tonight in the Maritime Hotel in Bantry at 7.30 all in relation to the future of Bantry Hospital. So if you're in the Bantry area or the wider West Cork area and you have a concern or want to know what is the future of Bantry Hospital at that meeting again tonight to uh, for the public and to air concerns the public have the Maritime Hotel in Bantry tonight at 7.30 and we'll be following up on that particular meeting on the show tomorrow. Now a lot of calls and comments in on various issues we were discussing this morning on the show. First of all in relation to the pensions and a lot of anger about pensions and also confusion uh, from people who are reaching retirement age don't have a private pension themselves and are now not too sure what way things will work out for them because you will not, well, the majority of people anyhow won't have, have done this before or dealt with pensions until uh, they reach the uh, retirement age and that's a then when people start thinking about pensions. Anyhow, uh, Neil in Lumberstown on the issue says regarding pensions for normal people and these people now I presume uh, who were outside of government and public office uh, Neil feels suspend all politicians pensions forthwith to encourage proper reform if pension payments are to be deferred then ipso facto compulsory retirement must be deferred by the same amount in tandem says Neil in Lumberstown on the issue of pensions on traffic we were discussing the traffic plan and the traffic situation in Bandon earlier and how so many commuters that drive through Bandon on a day basis and those who live locally the traders and those who attend school who go in to collect their children from school uh, face a nightmare every day due to a lot of the main arteries being closed in Bandon we have uh, Maxwini Key closed at the moment we have the Dumanway Road closed and Kilbrogan Hill is due to close from the 3rd of February so uh, with all those particular main roads closing it means traffic is being diverted 
And then what's happening is because there's only so many streets open, everybody's going in one direction and basically going in no direction because of the traffic situation in the town. And you were seeing long queues of traffic. I was saying it's a familiar sight in many other towns. And somebody on WhatsApp here is saying, for Moy is a nightmare from five o'clock until seven o'clock every evening. Yes, we do have a bypass in for Moy, but no one seems to use it simply because it would cost 20 euros a week. Surely the toll could be free for those two hours from Monday to Friday for workers commuting twice a day. It's just an idea. Maybe someone else out there has a better idea. But could that work? But would the company that run that particular toll, would they allow that? Because they'll be down money for a lack of payment in that particular toll. But is that an idea that could be worth looking into? And it's something we've heard before from Fermoy at that hour of the evening uh, from around half four to seven o'clock. Uh, the traffic congestion gets worse in Fermoy and mainly that is because of a lot of uh, people who are using the motorway or maybe don't want to use the motorway coming off the motorway and using Fermoy as their access route. And you know a lot of businesses as well. We discussed this in the past uh, from truck drivers and van drivers and they're told to this. And their company have told them we're not going to pay the toll. So if you go through the toll, you pay it yourself. So basically, if uh, as this WhatsApper is giving an idea of the cost of 20 euros a week, if you're working for a company, they're not going to pay the toll for you and it's going to cost you 20 euros a week. Well, then why should you pay 20 euros out of your pocket for a journey you're doing for the company? And if they're saying use the town, well, then, of course, you'll use the town. And that's why many of the trucks and vans are going into Fermoy as well. And that's causing more traffic log or traffic and traffic jams and everything in for my and it's it's really becoming a concern for people at this stage because they feel with everything that was done for the motorway uh, to ease the traffic in for my it really hasn't worked especially at rush hour anyhow uh, thanks for your whatsapp on that relation to traffic in bandon and indeed in for my and tom and bantry staying with the roads says there's a forestry in bantry on the castle donovan road now the trees are hanging out over the white line so cars have to keep out from that particular side of the road. And it's getting very dangerous, says Tom. Now, the council have been informed, but the council have come back to locals and they've said it's quilter property. So what will happen? Uh, the trees are still hanging out over the white line and cars still have to drive out from that side of the road, uh, which is going to cause hazardous if the trees continue to grow, uh, says Tom. And on energy prices we discussed there and how gas bills are due to decrease. Uh, Anne is wondering, uh, will the tank of gas you get, will that also uh, come down? Yes, uh, all gas will come down. So the tank you buy for your, your gas cooker maybe that you have outside your home or maybe inside your home uh, that will actually reduce as well but the only thing is as we discussed to Widow and Clark from Switcher.ie there's no time frame on when that actually will uh, decrease or how much it will decrease on it just depends uh, on how much usage a person uses the particular gas I suppose first of all but also when the companies will pass on uh, the actual uh, reduction in charges to the consumer and that can be uh, from a shop selling you the gas drum if they'll pass on the price but then will the wholesaler giving the gas drums to the particular shop will they pass on the price to the shop so there's a whole chain here first before we will see a reduction 
and we haven't seen it yet but we should see it over the next few months and that will obviously be passed on for those who do buy a particular gas drum for a gas cooker because Anne says the one good thing about a gas cooker is when the electricity goes out you can still cook away uh, so she won't be changing uh, her uh, gas cooker uh, says Anne thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 uh, while Gash on Twitter uh, feels that the energy price is due to fall did I read that right or is it another election promise? Well, no, it's it's nothing got to do with the election. It's the overall wholesale market and gas prices are due to reduce uh, for gas on Twitter. And also, Colm, in Buttevant, when we're speaking about switching companies, because Owen Clark from Switcher.ie uh, said, you know, if you are waiting for the gas bill to reduce, have a look around at other companies and what they are offering. And maybe if you haven't switched for two or three years, now could be your time. There's new discounts out there and seemingly at the moment it's one of the best times if you want to switch from either your gas company or your electricity company. Well, Colm says, why do you need a private company to switch for you? He has tried to switch from the ESB networks or ESB Electric Ireland a few times, but Colm says there is always conditions attached. The new companies always want you to pay by direct debit and your bill will also be only online. But Colm said, I would rather use my local post office than go down the route of getting my bill online and also paying by direct debit, uh, says Colm in Buttevant on text to 0862103103. Colm, we have a point there because if you use your local post office, then you will keep your local post office. And while companies then want people to go online, it does take the service away then uh, from the local post office. Column, thank you for your call to 1850 Keep your calls coming. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. On the way, we'll discuss what could be Cork's favourite song and keep your health or nutritional questions coming for Annalisa. She'll join us later in the hour. So any questions you have for Annalisa Giselle from the Health Hub in Banning College, call Bernie 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And a lot of comments coming in regarding the issue of energy prices. We'll get to those shortly. Also people questioning the cost of petrol and diesel in some four courts and how there is a big change at the moment depending on where you shop. Anyhow, I'll get to those comments shortly. Bush, the vote for Cork's favourite song. What will the overall favourite song be? Well, it will be revealed later tonight. But what songs are down for decision? Have a listen to some of the songs that could become Cork's favourite song. There are times I get distracted, girl, by the ways workings of this world. But I think of you as my last run, and I'm glad that I'm yours and for see his note down in Corky be known as a langor. A langor. A langor. Who's 
dancing in the disco bumper to bumper. Wait a minute. Where's me jumper? Where's me jumper? Where's me jumper? Where's me jumper? So there are just some of the Cork songs that have made it to the final bush. The votes are in. People have voted over the past while. And MC tonight is sports broadcaster Trevor Welch, who joins me. Afternoon to you, Trevor. Afternoon, JP. Now, you're a man that knows your music outside of sport as well. And just listening to those songs there, we forget how many good Cork songs we have. And the ones I've played there, the likes of the Frank and Walters, after all, we also in there had Jimmy Crowley, The Boys of Fair Hill, Natural Gas with the Langer song, Sean O'Shea with Unpokabula, and Sultans of Ping with Where's My Jumper. There's more in there as well for the final. It just shows the talent we've had here in Cork over the years. And it's a very prestigious title to get Cork's favourite song certainly is, uh, JP, and uh, very much looking forward to it tonight. Intriguing stuff to see who's going to come out on top. I mean, there were 84 individual songs, individual songs about uh, Cork by Cork-based artists and songwriters nominated in total. There was 5,250 people voted, uh, JP, before the closing day at 12pm last Saturday. And, you know, the likes of, you mentioned John Splant, he had 10 songs nominated in total. Jimmy Crowley had 7, Rory Gallagher had 6 nominated, Mick Flannery had 5 songs nominated. So just give you a a taste there the songs you played uh, the last 10 down to the last 10 real gems as you play there after all the banks of Mona Lovely Lee is there beautiful city you play the boys of Fair Hill uh, Rory Gallagher going to my hometown the Langer song Princess Street John Spillane on Puckle Villa um, the Safety Roll from McFannery and you play there Where's My Jumper from um, uh, of course Sultans of Ping FC and they're the 10 that have been um, made the shortlist and, uh, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, which one comes out on top uh, tonight. Uh, you know, the, as you said, we've had some great songs through the generations. And uh, I suppose, you know, if, if it's an online, it was an online vote. You just wonder, will, be, will there be a lot of young vote in there? Or, you know, people could come into the city library to cast their vote as well. So maybe a lot of people did that. So it's a, it's a hard one. It's a guessing game to which one will come out on top. You know, any one of five, I think, of the ten has a, has a real chance of being uh, the most popular cock song of all time. And why did the City Council and City Library, why did they decide to go along and do this and find out what our favourite song was here in Cork? Yeah, um, you know, I, I just think that, um, well, you know, I, I, I'm surprised actually it was never done before, uh, JP, I have to say. But the Cork City Library, you know, in association with Creative Ireland, you know, they launched a campaign in November last uh, to find Cork's favourite song. I, I think the objective was to, you know, seek out, acknowledge and applaud the singers and musicians that may cork the vibrant city of music that it is, you know, and unearthed songs that have stood the test of time, really, I think, in the heads and the hearts of Corkonians, JP. And you mentioned there the online voting and people who could drop in as well to City Library on Grand Parade and vote. I mean, there's a new and old here in this. We have Billa with Beautiful City and then you have the Frank and Walters and their particular song, After All. It was kind of revived again because of the Young Offenders TV show. So it'll be interesting to see how the voting goes. I mean, are there songs there, Trevor, that you would have liked to see included that weren't included in the final 10? Yeah, there would have been. I have to say, JP, I mean, I'd be a huge fan of Jimmy McCarthy and, uh, you know, the contender about uh, the late, great Jack Doyle. I thought that might have made it. Um, you know, um, Jimmy McCarthy, some great songs. He wrote some great songs for other artists as well, including Right On. Um, obviously, that's not a Cork song. But, you know, after all, I suppose, is not written about uh, Cork, um, but it, it's a huge Cork uh, anthem nonetheless, isn't it? And you, meant, you just mentioned as well that it was revived in the uh, Young Offenders uh, when Billy sang it on the bus. And, uh, you know, Cork people love that song. And um, 
you know, I, I, I think there's, there's a lot of people will have their own favourites and they might just uh, be thinking, you know, how come that wasn't in the, in, in the last 10? But, you know, if five and a half thousand people voting, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to argue with, I suppose. But Jimmy McCarthy, to me, is, is, is a real cock legend. So I'm kind of disappointed he hasn't got at least one song in the, in the, uh, the last 10. And any of the songs that have made it down to the final 10, have you any personal choice? Um, you know, it's hard to separate a, a few of them. I mean, uh, growing up, uh, going to all the sports games, obviously the banks of my own lovely Lee uh, by Sean O'Shea and Billa, Bill O'Connell. Uh, Billa, we hope he'll be there tonight. He's 90 now, Billa. And, um, you know, he's, he's a real cock legend. Mm. Uh, I always love the banks that matches. Beautiful city. Uh, going back, the, going back the way. Princess Street is a lovely song, isn't it? From John Spillane. The Boys Off Fair Hill. Great character and passion and pride in that song. Especially for the Northside people, they love that song, and rightly so. Um, but you know, I, I'd have a soft spot for the uh, the two more modern songs. After all, the Franks. I mean, I love that song, and I think Sultans of Ping FC. Where's my jumper? You know, kicks off with my brother loves Carl Marx. I think you two tip the hat to that song when I seen you two in the point um, in in Dublin many years ago. But they tip the hat uh, to to that song. Where's my jumper? I, I think that's a real classic, and um, you know, as as um, as uh, Niall once said, the lead singer in in, in, the, in the Sultans of Ping FC, that uh, rock is an anagram of cork. <laughs> he, he was uh, really out there edgy, and I, I, I love that song. So it's hard to separate after all, and where's my jumper for me? And I suppose mentioning the songs over the years, songs bring back memories for people as well, Trevor. So it could depend on that, on the vote as well, and where a song was at a particular time in a person's life. Anyhow, tonight, what's going to happen tonight? The winning song will be chosen and everybody's invited to go along. Uh, is it the City Library tonight? It is Cork City Library, uh, JP, half past seven. I know that uh, Patricia Looney is uh, very excited. Patricia Looney of, of the uh, City Library is very excited about tonight. And she's hoping that uh, there will be a big crowd there, um, you know, to, to see some of Cork's finest and hear some of uh, our great songs uh, that we listen to through the generations. Um, you know, 50% of the original artists will be playing their songs tonight. And uh, there's, um, you know, other people then will, will, will fill in, obviously, for the likes of um, Sultans of Ping won't be there and the Frank and Walters and so on. But, um, you know, music generation will be singing um, Where's My Jumper, for example. And, uh, you know, there's some great uh, artists that will be uh, will be playing there um, uh, tonight. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to it. So we, the, ten, the ten songs will all be played um, and uh, that have made a shortlist. And then after that, uh, we'll be picking the winner. And they'll be played by either the artists themselves or else a cover version on behalf of the artist. And then the winner will be revealed. Well, we might see that later on the C103 social media channels on who the winner is. And we'll reveal it tomorrow here on air as well. For the moment, Trevor, best of luck tonight. You're MC, so you'll probably be revealing who is Cork or what Cork's favourite song is. Uh, So best of luck with that. And we'll find out later. Thank you very much, JP. And that's Trevor Welch there, sports broadcaster, and knows his music as well when it comes to what could be Cork's favourite song. Have you any personal choice there? You heard the list. Uh, Anthony saying, for him, it's got to be the Frank and Walters, while Julie on text saying, God, that brought me back to hear Sean O'Shea singing on Pucker Villa. I remember that in school being drilled into us and we had to learn every line of that particular song, said Julie on text to 0862 103 103. And Con saying, great to hear uh, Jimmy Crowley 
and the boys are Fair Hill, uh, his version of that. So what could it be? There's a lot in there uh, and a lot of Cork anthems in there and indeed a lot of Cork great artists as well in there. Which could it be? Well, we'll have to wait and see tonight uh, at City Library on the Grand Parade. If you want to go along there from 7.30, you are welcome to do so. 1850-333-103. Keep your nutritional questions coming in for Annalisa who joins us shortly. Any health questions you have, get them into us either on text to 0862103103 or call to Bernie 1850-333-103. And uh, on songs, Nancy in Bantry says, hope the boys are for a hill by Jimmy Crowley wins the competition. So we'll have to wait and see if it does Nancy later tonight. Mick and Donrell saying, the boys have killed Michael, another great song. And I'm sure that was in the uh, final few, but it didn't make it to the final 10. But thank you, Mick, for your text uh, regarding the favourite songs for Cork. And on the issue of energy prices, uh, John asking, why is the price of petrol gone up by three cents recently when the price of oil is falling? Shopping around is not an option as they are all the same price. Is this a cartel price fixing to increase profits? Asks John, while Sheila is saying, disappointing that again, while we read on international news that the price of the barrel of oil is due to be dropping and decreasing in the Middle East, yet again, our petrol stations increase the price of petrol and everybody is in and around the same price. Once one petrol station increases their price, another follows. And then if someone decreases their price, the other also follows. So there's not much shopping around when it comes to petrol, uh, says Sheila. Also, John, uh, with a similar comment on that, on energy prices and with Fermoy and the traffic in Fermoy and the fact that people are in a situation from five to seven that the traffic gridlock gets worse at that time because of rush or traffic and people are obviously not using the bypass or the motorway because of the toll that they are actually uh, going into Fermoy and that's why the town is getting gridlocked with on that and there are texts says the toll company is losing out because one of the ideas by the way sorry the, the idea in was to allow people uh, free tolling from that time of 5 to 7 to reduce congestion in the town of Fermoy. But a texter says well the toll company is losing out anyway because people are not using so it wouldn't make sense to let people go free for just two hours. So the point was that the toll company weren't going to reduce or let people go free because they would lose out money uh, but as that texter is saying well they're not getting people to go through the toll anyhow so they're losing out regardless. Uh, thank you for your text regarding the issue in Fermoy and I mentioned about meetings tonight just a few more that are taking place this week to do with various subjects we've been discussing here on the show first of all school transport you might say it's early uh, to discuss school transport but it is a problem that will be hitting people again towards the end of the school term and because of that there's a public meeting on school transport tomorrow night Tuesday at 8 o'clock in the Beda Hall in Eskeen for all parents new and existing who will be applying for bus tickets to the abandoned Demanway areas for secondary school and coming from the Banlean in Iskeen or Copping area from next September. That's going ahead at the Beda Hall in Iskeen tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock and then to support the Air Ambulance fundraising appeal the afternoon tea at Gartnalassa Community Centre that's taking place this Sunday from 2 to 5 all the fundraising for the afternoon going towards the Air Ambulance and there'll be a a representative uh, from the Air Ambulance there as well on the day uh, to collect the donations that will be handed over for the Air Ambulance and tonight the AGM of the South of Ireland Band Championships that'll be held at 8 o'clock tonight at O'Donovan's Hotel in Clonakilty 
a reminder uh, by the Bantry Hospitals Users Action Group that a public meeting is taking place in the Maritime Hotel in Bantry. That's on tonight at 7.30 in relation to the future of Bantry Hospital. 1850-333-103. Keep your questions coming for Annalisa, who joins us next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And on traffic in Formoy, Dan feels and he believes that the traffic lights in Formoy are intentionally set to frustrate drivers choosing to use or pass through Formoy at various times. Uh, he has no research to support this, but he has a feeling that they are set to do that, uh, says Dan on text 086 103 103. And also Heidi, who are speaking about the cost of petrol and diesel. Heidi says fuel prices they went up very quick when there was that particular disaster a few months ago in Iran but now the prices are coming down we don't see them reducing that fast at the pumps uh, says Heidi thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 and Eddie in Mallow and this is staying with the theme of traffic uh, says there are roadworks on the N20 but Eddie feels the councillor whoever is doing the roadworks had the cones out too far traffic has to drive too close to the safety wire and this could cause an accident. So I presume uh, somewhere on the Cork de Mallow Road, I didn't see them this morning, but there obviously is roadworks there. And where they are, uh, drivers have to edge out and drive closer to the wire. So maybe whoever is doing those particular roadworks, either the council or someone on behalf of the council, uh, just take note of that as traffic Eddie feels is going too close to the wire and it could cause an accident. Now, Annalisa Drizel from the Health Hub in Times Square, Bannon Colleague, joins me as per usual on a Monday afternoon. Afternoon to you, Annalisa. Afternoon, John Paul. Now, a lot of people, a lot of questions and on various subjects, so we'll get straight to the questions, Annalisa. And first of all, even though there is a lot of flus and colds around at the moment, and people want to know what is the best uh, method to reduce or prevent uh, getting a cold. And I suppose the first thing here is uh, to boost your immune system. And there's many ways people can do that. Absolutely. Um, and actually, I think one of the most um, successful ways to prevent getting a cough or a cold is actually just a very practical thing about washing your hands because the germs are transferred, you know, I suppose by people sneezing. So by washing your hands frequently, you'd actually it's one of the best measures to reduce your chance of getting a cough or, or, or a flu. And then in terms of boosting your immune system, um, I think that Vitamin D is probably the most important one, John Paul, and I always think clock change to clock change. So I would start on a vitamin D supplement in October when the clocks go back, and I um, stop taking it sort of around the end of March, April, when the sun starts coming out again. Because I think in the winter months, our animals as well tend to be indoors. We're not getting vitamin D in our foods, and we're certainly not getting it from the sun. And it has a huge part to play in your immune system and in your mood. Now, your doctor can check your vitamin D levels. So if you are worried about them, make sure that you ask your doctor the next time you have a blood test just to check. It's always good to get checked in the middle of the winter because that way you know without taking a supplement if you, you know, where the levels are or if you're taking a supplement, whether it's enough. So get it done around this time of the year is a great, uh, a great telling um, of whether or not you have enough vitamin D. So uh, vitamin C and zinc, zinc I think people would be very familiar with. A lot of people would take a vitamin C supplement every day throughout the winter months. But I think if you're prone to be chesty and to get coughs and colds regularly, it's good to take some kind of supplement that keeps your immune cells fighting like echinacea and also certain um, herbs that are very good for kind of reducing and drying up mucus production. And that would be things like plantago, ivy and thyme, they're all excellent herbs for getting rid of mucus. 
And the Dr. Delish Clare Mucotone Blend actually has all of those things in there. And I've seen over the years great success with that, John Paul. I know Patricia is a fan as well. It tastes disgusting, but it really does the job because it has all of those astringent herbs for drying up mucus, but it also has a number of herbs in there for boosting the immune system as well. So you can take it once a day as a preventative or you could take it three times a day if you've got a cold. Okay, uh, more questions coming in on, on different aspects outside of, of colds and flu. First of all, this texter wants to know, what is good for a prostate cancer to keep down the PSA blood? So I suppose there's a couple of different things um, there, John Paul. Now, prostate cancer is, um, it actually can be a very slow uh, pro- progressing cancer. Some people may actually have, you know, the beginnings of it and, it may not come to anything that requires surgery or treatment for 10 to 15 years, even longer. Um, now, men often were told to get prostate biopsies, you know, after their 40s in the past. But I think research showed that the biopsies actually could increase the chance of accelerating any cancer that was there. So now they recommended a, a, a manual exam to see if there's any um increase in the size of the prostate, which could be an indicator. And then they'll only biopsy if, you have signs of, of, of eleva- very elevated PSA in the blood. So if you're being treated for prostate cancer, there's nothing that you can take because it may interfere with the treatment. However, if, if, if it's to prevent or if, if your prostate begins to enlarge, there are a number of things that can help. The first thing I would say is saw palmetto. It's been tried and tested. I have had many customers here who have managed to get their PSA levels down by taking saw palmetto. It's a herb and you'll buy it in a health store. The next thing that's very good is pumpkin seed extract. So you could take a tablespoon of uh, pumpkin seed oil every day or you could eat pumpkin seeds or you can get the supplement that has the pumpkin seed extract in there as well. uh, Zinc is also excellent for the prostate gland. So that could be another one to take. And then turmeric is a lovely herb for not just the prostate um, and not just for cancer, but as a general anti-inflammatory and anti-cancer agent. It's been getting a huge amount of uh, attention really in the last number of years in its role against cancer, John Paul. Um, And I definitely see a benefit for people taking it for inflammatory things like arthritis. So I would say if you've got an enlarged prostate, you'll need to take it in supplement form and you'll be looking to get the extract of turmeric, which is called curcumin, because you would need probably about five teaspoons of the powder, the turmeric powder itself, in order to get the dose into you. So get the get the um, extract, which is called curcumin, C-U-R-C-U-M-I-N, and you'll get those. There'll be a variety of different um, supplements in the health store that'll help. Okay, Eileen wants to know, how can I bring down my uric acid and blood sugar levels? And with that, she wants to know, are greener vegetables better to eat rather than carrots and parsnips due to the sugar content? Um, well, okay, so there's a few different things in that. The first thing is uric acid, um, John Paul. High, elevated levels of uric acid in the blood can be diet-related, but there's also a big genetic link. And the problem with elevated uric acid is that if it crystallises in the joints, it causes very painful gout. So the best thing to keep your acid levels down is to address your diet, but also by drinking cherry juice every day. Now, it's the sour cherry juice that you're looking for, and you can get that in a health store. Um, You shouldn't have any added sugar in there. It just needs to be the pure sour cherry juice. Or It sometimes comes as a kind of a a cordial as well, John Paul, where it's been extracted. So you can mix that up with water and drink it. And I have many customers that um, have managed to keep gout away by drinking a glass of cherry juice every day. 
The second thing is blood sugar. How do you keep your blood sugars down? And that's really all down to your diet. So it's about making sure that you don't have foods that have high levels of sugar in there or that food where there's been a lot of processing and the fibre has been removed because fibre can delay the release of blood sugar, sugar into the blood. So anything white, really, avoid white rice, white pasta, avoid most processed foods where the fibre has been removed and breakfast cereals and sugar and any foods with sugar in it. So then that brings me on to the last question, which was, um, is it healthier to eat green vegetables other than the root vegetables that have higher level of carbohydrates? And the answer, I suppose, I would say is no. You'll find many websites that will tell you that we shouldn't be eating those foods because of the high levels of sugar. But they are so nutritious um, and they are very good. We do need energy and it's better to get energy in the form of vegetable sugars than it is to get in the form of unnatural added sugars. Um, carrots as well are full of vitamin A, which is a great one for the immune system and great for the eyes. Uh, parsnips, um, turnips, all of these root vegetables have very high levels of lycopene and lutein, which are brilliant for preventing macular degeneration, amongst many other different things. So I don't think there is um, a reason to exclude them from the diet. Even if you're a diabetic, you should be able to take those foods. Um, maybe not in a ma- maybe not in mashed form where you might tend to eat up a lot more than you normally would, but certainly, you know, roasted or, or boiled carrots and parsnips and turnips are very very healthy. Um, the green leafy vegetables then would also be very good for um, magnesium and lots of other nutrients that are again very supportive of eye health and other health. They tend to be far less in calories, um, but I don't think that means there's any reason to exclude the others. Okay, Mary has had a polyp removed from her womb in the summer under general anaesthetic. Now, they also did a full D&C and since then she has had mood swings and depression. Now, could this be caused by the hormones or is there any vitamins or supplements she could take? Um, Now, that could be quite a complex one, John Paul, because there might be a number of various different things going on there. But if there was a hormonal imbalance, one of the ones I find best, if you tend to get a little bit sad and weepy um, coming up to your period and if your breasts get very tender a high dose of vitamin B6 can be good for both of those things so it does sound like there is some level of hormone imbalance there going on um, if she was um, there's various different hormone imbalances I suppose John Paul there's kind of excess progesterone or there's excess estrogen or there's your ability to rid your body of old hormones so she should call to her local health shop and, and look for a bit of support because the liver plays a large part in hormone imbalance so you might want to take uh, a supplement to support the liver's ability to get rid of old hormones um, and that would be something like um, um, diendole methane it's called dim dim anything with sulfur in it is very good to get rid of old hormones um, and then evening primrose oil some people find is very useful as well for managing hormones i feel it's not as effective as the vitamin b6 and supporting the liver. But if she tried a combination, she hopefully will find something that will work for her. Okay, Edward in the city. For the last few days, he is uh, very itchy all over. Now, he's bought an allergy relief. He has taken a few from that, but no relief as yet. And he has not changed his diet or his soap or anything like that. So what could this be and how can he relieve that? That now is the kind of question is how long is the piece of string? Because it's very hard to know where sometimes people will develop an allergy all of a sudden um, and it's very hard to figure out what the trigger is and then when you're in an allergic rashy state it seems that everything seems to exacerbate it 
So the fir- I would say that um, one of the most common ones I see here is people changing medication or starting on a new medication. Sometimes changing from um, a medication that you've been on for a long time to the generic version is, even though it technically does the same thing, some people will react to the generic version. And I have seen it a number of times here in the shop where people have an uncontrollable itch and it has been down to changing to the generic form of a blood pressure tablet or something similar. So look at the side effects of the medication that you're on if you haven't changed anything in your diet. If an antihistamine isn't working, um, then maybe it is, um, you know, you need to get a stronger antihistamine on prescription from the doctor, you know, if the over-the-counter ones don't work. The natural ones can work well, but they tend to take time. And then if you've got a very itchy skin and you want something to relieve it, getting into a bath with lots of salt in there, you can just use ordinary um, sea salt, John Paul, you don't need to spend expensive money on salt, just get sea salt in the bath, and that can be very good to relieve an itch. And then certain creams, if there is a rash, certain creams can help bring down the itch. And one of the ones that I see good success with here in the shop is one by a company called Salcura, S-A-L-C-U-R-A, and it's called Zeoderm is the cream. And that's Z-E-O-D-E-R-M. So your local health shop or pharmacy will have those creams available. Okay, and very briefly, if you can answer these two final questions. First of all, how much is too much when it comes to vitamin D3 to take? Now, again, you see, there's, you can get very high levels of vitamin D in the health store, and I'm not a big fan of recommending a high amount unless, I think, unless you've got an autoimmune disorder or unless your vitamin D has been shown to be low with a blood test. The only way of knowing how much you need, your body needs, is to actually have your blood tested to see where the levels are. I think a 1,000 IU is plenty for everybody. It, it's more than the recommended daily allowance. Um, we do store vitamin D in the liver as well. So, you know, it, it would be um, on days where maybe your body's requirement would be higher, it can draw from stores. I'm not a fan of taking anything over a 1,000 IUs unless it's necessary. I think it's possibly too much. But some people will need it and a blood test will show that up. And again, briefly on this, any advice on tension headaches that are coming from bodybuilding and weightlifting? So that's probably all to do now with problems with the neck. Actually, I was just looking for it myself this morning, John Paul, for something called a neck hammock, which is uh, something that you use to hang your head and it sort of extends the neck and the vertebrae. And it's very good for exercise-related neck pain or neck pain if you're sitting at a computer and you're hunched all day. Um, But the other thing I could recommend is a good physical therapist or a massage therapist like Shiatsu Massage is wonderful for releasing out the tension in the neck. So it's not a supplement. Um, you might maybe want to try rubbing in some magnesium oil to release those muscles out and to, because magnesium is great for relaxing tense muscles. But I think you're probably, if it's from bodybuilding on a regular basis, you're going to need to go for some kind of uh, massage. OK, Annalisa, well, thank you for that. More questions that we didn't get to. We'll hold them over for next week, but thanks oh, for joining us. Annalisa Giselle there joining us from the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig, located across from the cinema. And if you missed anything Annalisa said, just go to our website. The podcast will be up later this afternoon. Go to c103.ie forward slash podcast. That's it from us today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced Nick Richards. is along from one playing Cork's greatest hits across your workday afternoon. And Martina driving you home from four here at C103. Patricia is back tomorrow from 10am with Cork Today and will be following up on the public meeting tonight being held tonight in the Marathon Motel in Bantry in connection with the future of Bantry Hospital. Until tomorrow morning at 10am, I'm John Paul McNamara. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.